Welcome to the University of Wyoming Today. On this program, you'll hear about what's making the news and about the people and events at UW. You'll also learn about some of the leading research that's taking place at one of the region's top universities. And now, here's today's edition of the University of Wyoming Today. Hi there, Jim Kearns with you today. Did you notice there weren't a lot of crystal clear days in many areas of Wyoming this summer? That's because of the hazy skies caused by wildfires as far away as Oregon and Washington. In fact, it seems like there's been a lot more of these large fires in recent years. That prompted UW Program in Ecology doctoral student John Calder and his colleagues to wonder if such exceptionally large wildfire outbreaks have occurred in the past. To find out, they examined charcoal deposits in 12 lakes in and around a wilderness area of Colorado. And Calder says they found evidence of large fires occurring during a long-ago warming period. And we looked at the fire history for the last 2,000 years, and what we found was there was only one period in the last 2,000 years when we have evidence of large portions of that mountain range burning. Um, And it was about 1,000 years ago when temperatures warmed just half a degree C. And at that time, uh, in a a century, about 83% of the landscape burned that we were looking at. We're on the trajectory to see wildfires like we saw in the past, and, and the fires will be even bigger and more widespread. That research was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And based on those findings, we better be prepared for even more devastating fires throughout the American West. It's no secret that demand for coal is declining. Utility companies are working to reduce carbon emissions from coal-fired power plants in response to government regulations and market changes. And it's not just a Wyoming issue. In fact, the School of Energy Resources at the University of Wyoming recently led a delegation to China, where they explored new ways to make traditional coal cleaner and more efficient. The school's director is Mark Northam, and he tells us they're also exploring ways to use carbon engineering to create new markets for coal. We were invited by the governor of Shaanxi province in China to um, attend a low-carbon energy forum that is in its fifth year there. Um, I actually presented a keynote speech about the similarities between Shaanxi province and Wyoming both being uh, heavily coal-based economies and the challenges that new concerns over emissions present. Nothing happens between the United States and China before relationships are established and firmed up and I feel like this trip we made a lot of progress in that. The University of Wyoming has been invited to answer a research solicitation that has been sent out by the uh, Shaanxi provincial government and uh, 
we intend to submit proposals seeking funding and collaboration with Chinese institutions. Um, we, as far as I am aware, are the only non-Chinese entity that has been invited to participate in their domestic solicitation. Those discussions with China are really promising and could play a major role in maintaining Wyoming's position as a world leader in coal production. There's some interesting research coming out of the College of Business. Let's say you're buying a bucket of chicken that has a logo on it that's promoting some kind of charity. Would that make you feel like you're making a healthy choice? Some people seem to think so. Our communications intern, Bianca Coca, explains. A University of Wyoming researcher says food product labels that promote healthy causes can influence consumer perceptions of the product's healthiness. Marketing professor Elizabeth Minton says that when companies display a logo saying they are donating to a good cause, some consumers think the food product is healthier than it actually is. I always like to start off with the example of when KFC partnered with the Komen Foundation and the Buckets for a Cure campaign. And so they were basically donating a portion of every bucket of fried chicken to the Komen Foundation, which is obviously a health cause associated with cancer research. And the question that arises with that is, how is this influencing consumers? Do they think that it partnering with the Komen Foundation that the fried chicken is actually healthier? So that's what really spurred me on into my research. And so we find that when you put a cause on a product package and the product packaging is saying, we're donating a portion of our proceeds to the cause, that consumers find the packaging or the actual food product to be healthier. Uh, but it depends on the cause. So we find that things like the American Heart Association, consumers say, well, that's a healthier product. Whether or not the American Heart Association is actually endorsing the product as being healthy. And so consumers may have misperceptions about the actual healthiness and the product attributes. Minton says such perceptions apply only to health causes. Pairing the product logo with an environmental and social causes did not influence perceptions of a product's healthiness. I am Bianca Coca reporting for the University of Wyoming today. Thanks, Bianca. I'm sure both marketers and consumers can learn something from those findings. By the way, that work was published in the Journal of Consumer Affairs. You're listening to the University of Wyoming Today. I'm Jim Kearns. You may be among the thousands of people from around Wyoming and the nation who are coming to campus for the annual homecoming celebration. The annual parade is one of the university's oldest and most popular traditions. Missy Samp reports that it's also a time for the university to recognize the accomplishments of alumni who have made outstanding contributions throughout their professional careers. This year's distinguished alumni are Chad Eaton, Greg Hill, and Dr. Wayne Wingfield, and Frank Mendocino will be receiving the Medallion Service Award for exceptional service to the university. Deaton received a BS degree in geology in 1976 and later served as the CEO of Hanover Compressor Company and Baker Hughes. Hill earned a BS degree in mechanical engineering in 1983 and is now the worldwide president and chief operating officer of exploration and production for Hess Oil. 
Wingfield received his bachelor's degree in physiology and zoology in 1964 and his master's degree in entomology two years later. He was the chief of emergency and critical care medicine at the Colorado State University Veterinary Teaching Hospital. And Frank Minicino received his BS degree in business in 1962 and his law degree in 1970. He's an attorney and partner with the firm Access Business Partners and has been a key contributor to many University of Wyoming projects. They'll be riding in the homecoming parade and be recognized at halftime during the homecoming football game. I'm Missy Samp, reporting for the University of Wyoming today. And let's recognize two other very important individuals who'll be honored this year. 100-year-old Lillian Olson Miller was the first homecoming queen in 1938. A 1941 graduate and retired Niobrara County teacher Virginia Jenny Bryant is celebrating her 100th birthday this month. They'll be the Grand Marshals for the Homecoming Parade Saturday, October 17th. And we'll all be saluting you ladies when you pass by us during the Homecoming Parade. We're going to leave you today with a sampling from one of our Department of Music faculty groups, Lights Along the Shore. This is the title cut from their new CD, Misty Morn in May. That's Lights Along the Shore with Lisa Rickard on piano, Steve Barnhart doing the percussion, Blake McGee on clarinet, and the incomparable Rodney Garnett on the flute. I'm Jim Kearns, and that's it for my time. Thanks for yours. That's it for this time. Join us again for the next edition of the University of Wyoming Today.